Welcome to season two of the Testimony Service Podcast, brought to you by Engage. Engage is a brand I started at the end of last year to serve as a reminder for us to engage with God, to actually cultivate a personal relationship with Him, and then to engage others, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to those around us. And one of the ways we engage others is through our testimonies. All right, I have big news for you guys. Today is not just the season finale, but it is the podcast finale. Yes, this will be the last episode ever. It's bittersweet for me because I've enjoyed every moment of this podcast, meeting all of the amazing guests and sharing their incredible stories with you. But I'm also ready to pursue other things God has placed on my heart that I've been ignoring for quite some time. So for this episode, I decided to end the podcast the same way that I started it, by sharing my testimony. What you're about to hear is something that I previously recorded with Chi Chi, who you may remember from episode 216, God's Tattoo. Anyway, without further ado, here is me, your host, with the grand finale, episode 218, Heavyweight Champ. So my name is Martina. I live in Indiana here in the U.S. I am 27 years old. Um, What I do for a living, it's not that interesting, but I basically work in finance in the healthcare field. And so, yeah, here's my testimony. So growing up, I was born and raised in a church. Both my parents were heavily involved ministers. Um, They would get invited all the time to different speaking engagements, teaching Bible studies and Sunday schools and all of that. So church and God was just always my upbringing. You know, I know some kids didn't like being dragged to church. I didn't feel that way personally. I loved going to church. And so that was just like my whole entire life. And so when I was nine years old is when I decided to give my life to God. I just walked into my mom's bedroom and was like, hey, mom, like, I want to be saved. Like, what do I need to do to be saved? And just right then and there, she stopped what she was doing, probably watching TV or whatever, and like walked me through this prayer of salvation. And so at nine years old, I was saved. And that was it. Like, you know, I did it. Like, here we go. Okay, cool. I think at that age, I didn't fully understand what that meant or like what I needed to do and like the process of like growing in God. Um, It was just kind of like this thing that I did, kind of checked it off the box. Like I'm good now, me and God are cool. Like we was cool before, but we cool, cool now. But then when I was 10 years old is when I, for the first time saw something on TV that was sexually explicit. Of course, at 10 years old, I wouldn't have called it pornography. I, you know, didn't know what to call it, but it like, piqued this curiosity in me, like seeing just these women's bodies and how they were so different from mine. And I was just like, yo, what is this? At a young age, you're for the most part, pretty sheltered anyways. Um, But especially being so inundated in the church, like there was always a revival. There was always something going on. It wasn't just church once or twice a week. We were in church all the time. Like you slept in church, you ate in church, you played in church all day, every day. And so um, that was just so different to me. And just this curiosity that I experienced at 10 years old, carried. I mean, you know, it didn't just stop there. You watch one video and then you're like, okay, well, there's got to be more to this. Like what else is there to see in this whole other world that I have just been exposed to? Um, And so, yeah, from the age of 10, it just kind of progressed. Um, 10 years old is a long time ago. So I remember how it started for me, but as far as like the progression in those earlier years, uh, it's a little bit blurry. But obviously when I look back now to like more recent years of me, like fighting this thing and struggling with it and giving into temptation, it's definitely way more explicit than it was when I first started. And so just this progression of at nine years old, I gave my life to God, but at 10, 
from like now I'm 27. So 26, 27. So like 16, 17 years. So more than half of my life has been, yes, I've accepted God in my life, but I have this thing that I'm battling and losing horribly at, and I don't really know how to handle. But of course, this is something that is so secretive. You watch it in secret, you're scared. There's automatically like all this shame and guilt. And so at 10 and all these years, it wasn't something that I can say, Hey mom, I saw this video. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, it was just like, I'm just going to keep watching this in secret and keep fighting it and figuring it out. And so it was going to church all these days during the week, but then at home, like struggling and giving in with temptation, like over and over and over again. And it was just this cycle of, you know, watching the video or whatever, feeling super guilty and shameful about it. And then going to church the next day and just, just these two different sides, just fighting and me being so young, just not knowing at all what to do with it. Now, just kind of looking back at how I struggled with this for more than half of my life. It's almost insane to say that to start at 10 and to be 27 now and like to finally be free from it, like all glory to God, because it's just crazy to think about how giving my life to God at nine, but like struggling with this thing and being in bondage the whole entire time. And so now it's almost like for the first time I'm walking with God for the first time without this heavy weight. Like, of course there's other sins I used, I used to think, okay, if I overcome this one sin, me and God are good. Like there's nothing else that needs to be worked on. Like it's just this one huge thing. And we call sins big and small, but really all sin is sin. The price for all sin was Jesus's death. Like this, even the smallest sin, Jesus had to die for us to be free from that and for us to be righteous and make it to heaven and all that. But still, I just thought, oh, there's this one big sin. And if I could just overcome this one thing, I'm good. Obviously now I don't think that way. And that was kind of a sense of self-righteousness. And it, I don't know, God, God uses things for purposes, you know? And so honestly, if I didn't have that big struggle, I don't even know where I would be with God right now. It, although I was giving in over and over again and many times intentionally, it wasn't like, oh, I, you don't really accidentally watch a video. It, it's very intentional. And so times where I would watch it, feel guilty and remorseful, crying, saying, God, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry. But there's a huge difference between being remorseful and sorry and repenting, not even close to being the same thing. I can say sorry every single day of my life, but God wants repentance and like a change of my heart and for me to like turn from this and turn towards God and like turning away from pornography or sin or whatever isn't even the goal. It's not the goal just to turn away from something or to avoid it. The goal is to turn and fix our eyes on God. And so I was not doing that. Like my whole view of what I thought a Christian was, was just really going to church. Like for all these lives in my childhood and teenage and even young adult years, it was just like, yeah, I go to church. Like I tell God, I'm sorry when I mess up and that's all there is to it. But you know, that's not even the case. And so to kind of fast forward, I feel like I'm jumping a little bit. I moved from Colorado to Indiana in 2019. And so when I moved here, well, when I was in Denver, I was trying to figure out like a list of churches that I would visit when I moved to Indiana. It was a very short list. Um, and there's this one particular church that was on the list in Colorado that, okay, when I get here, well, it was, it didn't even make the list. Honestly, I remember searching it and looking at their site and saying, oh, there's no way this church is for me. Um, and so when I moved to Indiana, tried a couple churches, didn't like them. Probably like the third week, I remember just being homesick 
feeling overwhelmed. Like my church in Colorado was amazing. Like how could I ever find anything that would even come close to comparing? And so I was just kind of discouraged. Didn't know. I was just, I was just over it. I was like, finding a church home is very difficult. I, I was just over it. And it was that Saturday night, the night before church that I, again, you know, was watching porn, gave into temptation. And so that morning I woke up again with so much guilt, so much shame. And I kind of was like, you know what? I'm not even going to church today. Like I can't even do it in it. And that's, that's what's so hard about sin. And especially like pornography, I feel like is just all the guilt and the shame that's there. It's like, God should be the one that you're running to, but the guilt and the shame is so heavy that he's the last one that you want to run to. And so that morning when I woke up, I wasn't trying to go to church. I just sat there. And I think I'm a person who doesn't like to be late, but I was late because I was laying in bed, just wallowing in what happened last night and crying and feeling, you know, woe is me and just down on myself. And then I just Googled like, okay, churches near me or whatever. And the church that I ended up visiting that week was the church in Colorado that didn't even make the list. I was like, oh yeah, that church isn't for me. So this church has something called the growth track where they want like people to like really get into the church and not just be a member who, you know, sits on the back row and just leaves. Their whole thing is you know God, you find freedom, you discover your purpose, and then you go out and make a difference. And so they were just saying that over and over again. And I was like, what is all of this about? And so that second time of me visiting, I went to their little class, this four-week class teaching you kind of about all four of those things. And it was there where I met a video again, (laughs) but this time it was the pastor just talking about his heart for the church, just his vision and how he leads the people. And in that moment, me hating videos, I just really connected with him. And it's crazy. I still had never laid eyes on this man, but I joined the church right then and there in that moment in that little class after service. And so it's just crazy how God used that me in Colorado making a list of, I would never go to this church because I'm looking at their website and I see no diversity. I was like, why would I go to this church? And then coming here, feeling like I messed up and I'm not even going to church today for God to lead me to the church that he had planned for me to join all along, um, that my eyes would have been too blind to even see. And so it was here at this church where I joined a small group. I don't know if small groups are popular in Nigeria, but here it's just basically like a handful of people just coming together, getting to know people in the church, um, growing in God. It doesn't necessarily have to be like a Bible study. It could just be like, we go to this church, we love God and we like to eat. So we're going to have a group where we go out and eat every week. But yeah, so I joined a small group just because I wanted to meet people at the church. Um, I'm very introverted, don't make friends easily at all. Um, And so this just seemed like a cool way to do it. And so like I was saying, the know God, find freedom, discover your purpose and make a difference. That find freedom piece, they used to say like, oh, you find freedom in small groups. And I was like, I don't know how finding freedom from sin and and your mess ups and stuff, how that correlates with like coming together with people. I I didn't get that at all. I was like, yeah, forget the freedom part. I just need to meet people in the church because I'm new to the city and I don't know that many people. But it was crazy. So this first small group I tried didn't like it. It just was not the people for me. It was not the age group for me. It was a bunch of older people and God bless them. They have wisdom, but it just was not the group for me um, to like really build close relationships with within this church. This other small group that I was a part of, they were on their second to last week. So I was on my way. I was really excited to try this one out. I spoke to the leader. She sounded really cool. Like I was feeling this, like connecting. And I remember driving there really excited for this, but having this intense 
pain in my stomach. And I was like, yo, what is this pain? Like, I can't have this right now. I'm trying to go to the small group. Like what's going on? So I'm driving like, oh, my stomach is hurting. Like, oh my gosh, but I'm pushing through it anyways. So I finally get to her apartment. I park and my stomach is still hurting. And I'm like, I'm going to this small group. I don't care. And then like, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, and I'm like, nah, my, my stomach hurts. I can't do this. So I drive all the way, all the way back home lay in bed in pain, you know, text her. Sorry, I couldn't make it this time, but I really look forward to meeting you uh, next week. I was so mad because I knew this was the second to last week and um, I really wanted to connect with some people. So I go to this next week, which ends up being the last week of the semester. And in that small group, the leader confesses um, and opens up about her struggle with pornography. And in that moment, I'm like looking around, like, like, did she just say that? Like, how could she say that? How could she confess that to this group of people? Like, to me, I was the new one. They had kind of already been knowing each other for 13 weeks or whatever, but I was just like, I would never, like, how could she say that? And I don't know, just instantly I felt this connection, but also the shame kind of crept up. Like, I don't need to tell her that I can relate. So I just kind of sat there and was like, hmm, okay, cool. Didn't think anything of it. And so, like I said, that was the last week of the semester. So I'm like feeling this connection with this person, wanting to make friends in the city. I'm the worst person at making friends. So I don't even know what to do. I'm not going to text her up and say, hey, you want to go to the movies or something like, so like I wanted something, but I just, I didn't even know. And so months and months go by because there's no more small group. And one night, it's not even one night, multiple times between the end of that small group. And then this moment I'm leading up to, I kept giving in to the temptation over and over and again. And so it was one night where I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired. Like over these years, like 15, 16 years of me struggling with pornography, like sometimes I, Honestly, sometimes I was remorseful. Sometimes I was tired of hearing myself say sorry to God. So I stopped saying it. I was just like, I messed up again. So, okay, whatever. Yeah, it was just back and forth between times where I was really sincere and times where I was like, God, you got to be tired of hearing this because I'm tired of hearing it. If I say, God, I'm sorry for messing up in this way one more time, uh, it's over. And so, yeah, this one particular night after that small group, I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired of repeating the same cycle over over again. Messing up, God, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I won't do it again. And then doing it again. I, I so sick and tired of it. And then like the church that I was born and raised in, it was very much kind of like fire and brimstone preaching. Like, if you don't get your life right, you're going to hell, blah, 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 blah. And like, yeah, they're right. But like, sometimes you need, you need a little grace thrown in there. You need it to be a little more just... Loving, but anyway, that's a whole nother story. But, um, and yeah, I remember in that type of church, like we would have like the watch night service every New Year's Eve where you would go to church at like 10 p.m. and like bring in the new year. So it'd be from like 10 to midnight so that you bring in the new year. And it was always at the end of the preaching, you know, get your life right with God today. You know, it's a new year. If you were to die today, where would you go? And I just, that question always plagued me because I was like, well, I gave my life to God at nine and like, but now I can say like, I'm justified by faith. Like I believe it that, you know, Jesus died and rose again for my sins and all this stuff, but my lifestyle was totally different. So every time they made that altar call, I was like, I don't know. I don't like, I was just scared all the time. Like if I die, that's it, that's it. And so, sorry, I keep jumping back and forth. But so yeah, after this small group sitting on my bed, sick and tired of being sick and tired, repeating the same cycles over and over again. And I was just like, I was mad. I was like, yo, if I keep falling into this thing one more time, I promise you, like, I'm so over it. And so it was in that moment where I typed out this whole long text message to the small group leader. 
And I was scared. Like I was, I was probably shaken. I was just texting. Like, I don't know how she's going to receive this. I don't know how she's going to react, but I basically came up with this plan of, I would like for her to help me and keep me accountable by putting these parental controls on my phone so that I can't access, you know, these certain adult sites or whatever. And so obviously if I came up with the code when I was tempted, I could just unlock the code. And so I needed someone else, but I didn't feel comfortable telling my parents or anyone else. I needed someone else who I can trust to say, Hey, come up with this passcode. And if for whatever reason I needed to unlock and get to something for some legitimate purpose, I would have to go out of my way, meet, meet you somewhere and say, Hey, unlock my phone. And then while we're still together, you lock it back. So it was this whole long message saying, Hey, you know, I also struggle with pornography too. Would you be able to help me by doing X, Y, and Z? I sent the message. It was super late at night. I'm crying. I'm freaking out. I'm like, I don't know what she's going to think of me. Like I was going through the most. (laughs) And then I just like threw my phone. It was late at night. I didn't think she would respond anyway. So it was the next morning that she responded and her response was just super gracious. I was shocked. I was like, I was like, wow, like no judgment, no condemnation. And it was just very refreshing. And so I just kind of felt like a low taken off of me, still super nervous. Like that shame and that guilt is real. Like I even feel it a little bit, even right now as I'm talking, but like, it was just so real. And so, so we met up, she put stuff on my phone and all that. And so going back to like what the church said with finding freedom and being, and that being attached to like small groups and building relationships within the church. And so it was just so crazy to me that the first time I ever met her, she confesses something that I also struggle with. And it's all because I joined a church that in Colorado, I said, I would never join. And after a night where I had just given in and I was like, I'm not going to church. So it's just crazy seeing God's hand over all of this and how he is just been gracious, never stopped pursuing me. Um, I know that there's like a scripture in the Bible that talks about like, if you continue in sin, like I'm used to the old school Bible. So King James version says like, he'll turn you over into like a reprobate mind. And so you won't even like feel this guilt and this shame. You'll just be sinning. You just don't even care. And so it's crazy to think how after 16 plus years or whatever of struggling, how God continued to like convict me and continue to pursue me and continue to like love on me and not give up on me. Cause I wanted to give up on myself. Like I'm, t- uh, it doesn't even make sense to st- in my mind to struggle with something for that long over and over again. Like, have you, haven't you learned yet? Like, why are you still doing this? And so I don't know, maybe I'm just super hard on myself, but that's the way I would look at it. But I'm just so grateful to God that he did not look at me that way and that he's brought me through that. And so even now, like just the way that he's using me um, and giving me a podcast. And so I've been podcasting a Christian testimony podcast uh, for a year. It's just been over a year, even a idea for like a clothing, a Christian clothing line. And so I'm actually wearing one of the things, so I'll put it out there, but it's like a picture of a graveyard says, have you died today? And so like, that's the thing that I live by now. I mean, actually, let me read the scripture real quick. So this design was inspired by this scripture in Romans 6, verse 11 through 14. I'll read it real quick. It says, so you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. And so for me, it's like, I can't say temptation doesn't still come because it does. But this is a reminder for me, like to die daily 
Like it's not this one thing where I've repented and I've turned to God and turned away from my sin and that this sin could never touch me ever again. It's like, I don't focus on the sin anymore, which is what I used to do. And then I wonder why I kept falling into it. Like I was so focused on avoid pornography, avoid pornography, avoid pornography. That's a tongue twister. Um, but I was so focused on that. But instead of focusing on the thing that I needed to avoid, I needed to focus on God. And so now that's like my perspective. Uh, it's a mindset to like die every single day to the flesh and to the sinful desires. If I, I can't die yesterday and think I'm good for the rest of my life. I can't die today and think I'm good for tomorrow. Like every day I need to have the mindset of, of Christ, of I'm not going to give into this thing today or any, or any sin of that matter. But yeah, that's my testimony, just how God has brought me out, how he's been gracious, how he never gave up on me um, and how he's using me to influence other people for his glory, for his kingdom. And so, yeah, that's, that's my testimony. Wow. Thank you so much. First off, I'd like to say thank you, Martina, for your vulnerability. We really can't speak on it if we've not been there or if we've not gone through it. And just listening to you, it's just amazing because every step of the way, I mean, you talk about it as if it was just two years, but this was 16 years. And I cannot imagine, you know, how it was or what happened and, you know, everything you had to go through, everything, um, the cover-ups and all, you know. So I just want to say thank you so much. And we're really, really grateful to have you here sharing your story to help other women or other people going through the same and not knowing if there truly is a way out. God bless you so much. While you were sharing, the first thing that came to mind was what inspired, I mean, it may seem very random, but I feel like the fact that you, you as a nine-year-old went to your mom and said, you know what, I'm ready to be born again. You know, at that time, somewhere, you let Jesus in at that time somewhere. And I feel like regardless of whatever happened after that time, you had let him in and you had given him access that you were not even aware of. So I'd like to say first of what inspired that decision, if you can remember. I don't re remember specifically. I think it was just being around church so much and just knowing that that was the step you needed to take, um, knowing that there was a difference mm -hmm. between just attending church and then a difference between like making a decision for God. I don't think I fully understood the full ramifications of that at that age, but I knew there was a difference between, you know, just sitting on the church pew every day that there was a decision that needed to be made. And so it, it just seemed like the natural thing to do because like church was my whole life. And so it just, you know, I saw how my parents, you know, were preaching and ministering and praying for people and just being used powerfully for God. And so it just seemed like, that's the thing to do. There, there didn't seem like any other choice, any other option. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. For every time you went to church, you know, did you feel like it will go away? Did you feel like going to church will take it away? Or did you feel like sometime when you go to the church, the desires will just go or you won't go back to it? Did you feel like that at any point in time? I don't think I felt like, going to church would necessarily help it go away. I think in the earlier years of struggle, first of all, at 10, 11, 12, all the way as a teenager, there was no choice. There was no, I don't feel like going to church because mom, I just watched uh -huh. porn last night. Uh -huh. you, you live in this house, you're getting in this car and you're going to church. So there was right. no, there was no thinking about anything, you know, so I didn't think of it at that age. As I got uh -huh. older, it was just such a part of my life. And it's like, I think there's a scripture in the Bible that talks about like, 
when I wanted to do right, like evil was always there. And like the, the good I wanted yeah. to do, I didn't do. I always did the evil that I didn't want to do. And so like my spirit wanted to be right so bad, but the flesh was just acting up and doing whatever the flesh wanted to do. And so right. I never wanted to not go to church but I also didn't understand how going to church was necessarily going to help me come out of that. And even mm-hmm. now, I don't, I don't think church is the answer. I think church is a part of what God has given us in our walk with him. Church is great, but it's not even about that. It's literally about God and the relationship with God. And so I think come all on. these years going to church, it, there was no real relationship with God of me cultivating that. And when you think about it at 10 years old, Yes, there's justification, and that's when you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, died for our sins, rose from the dead. Sanctification process and discipleship, which at 10 years old, no one's teaching me discipleship and sanctification, which they very well should be. I was just left, I said this prayer, okay, now what? Like the devil's throwing all this stuff at me, okay. Like, how can I be a mature Christian if I'm not even a mature person because I'm 10 years old? Um, Without someone like discipling me and like talking to me about real life stuff, yeah, I had the mm. sex talk when I was a kid, but it was the sex talk. It wasn't the purity talk. It wasn't the how do I mm. live for God and have all this going on and be pure. That wasn't a thing. That was me left to try to figure it out, which I failed miserably at. Um, and so yeah. to answer your question, I was going to church, but I didn't have that deep, personal, sincere like relationship with God. So, yeah. Another thing that um, stood out for me when you were speaking was your vulnerability when you decided to be vulnerable and actually speak to somebody about it. I mean, um, I'd really like you to expand on that because it takes a lot. Vulnerability in itself is growth. Vulnerability in itself is character, right? So I want you to please take us through that moment. What really pushed you, not, not what really pushed you, but how did you come to yourself and say, you know what, I'm going to do this? Yeah, I think her opening up was so powerful to me. And it wasn't like a one-on-one. It was like a small group. So there was like maybe four of us on the couch and then it was her. That was the first time that I heard anyone. She also was born and raised in the church. Her dad is a pastor. That was the first mm-hmm. time I heard, well, anyone, a female, especially, who was in the church who was struggling with this. I had never, ever heard of this like ever. And so that mm-hmm. also heightened the fact that like, cause forever I thought I was alone. I was like, no one can relate to me. Like I just got to figure mm-hmm. this out on my own. Nobody mm-hmm. cares and nobody knows and no one can relate. And so for me to at 25, 26 years old, for that to be my first time hearing, oh, there's somebody else out there. So it was that, but then also 16 years is a long time to struggle with something. And so I'm telling yeah. you, so sick like I was like I don't know any other way I don't know any other answer and there was even a moment where I was like you know what I should go back to like an old school like flip phone where I don't even have internet because this phone mm. is getting me and I was thinking mm. about the scripture that talks about like if your left eye causes you to sin yeah and so I'm like how could I do that in this circumstance I was like maybe the smartphone needs to go maybe I need an old school phone but then, you know, social media, like, am I really yeah. going to do that? Mm-hmm. Am I really gonna do that? Um, and so that was like kind of the only option. And I was like, that seems pretty extreme. But if that's what it takes, that's what I'm going to have to do. And I was so close to doing it, I promise you. But then when she opened up, I was like, okay, this is another very viable option where she can do this for me. And so it was literally just me just being so tired. 
if I maybe struggled with this for a year or two years, or maybe I only watched it a handful of times, maybe I would have been like, oh, I don't need to open up to her and be vulnerable. But like from 10 to 17 or from 10 to Mm -hmm. like 27, I'm like, yo, this got it. It's got to be over. It's got to be over. And so I think when you get fed up, like sick and tired, and there's times where I wasn't sick and tired. I liked it. That's why I kept doing it. Like the devil tempt us with something we don't like because it wouldn't work. If you, if you tempt me with alcohol, no, thanks. I'm good. Bye. You know what I mean? But so I just had to be sick and tired of being sick and tired of like, you have, you have this momentary piece of pleasure and then guilt and shame that follows you for long, for way too long. And so just, just being ready to be done is what helped me to be vulnerable. And then like, having access to the right person to be vulnerable with helped me too. But like, if I'm being honest, I was vulnerable kind of. So yes, in this message, I told her like, I can relate. I struggle too. Can you help me by putting this code on my phone, blah, blah, blah. So I can't access these sites. And then when we met up, she was like, you know, do you want to talk about it? Or do you just want me to do this? We don't have to discuss it. I'll just send mm-hmm. it. I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm ready to talk about it. Cause I still felt all that guilt and shame. Cause I just did it like the night before. I'm like, yeah, so mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not going to talk to you about it. And so now we don't talk about it just because it's kind of weird. It's probably not weird. I just think it's weird. It's kind of weird to say, hey, you ready to start talking about it now? Because it seems like forever ago that we first set up an arrangement. But I do right. have a friend now that I can talk to about it okay. in its realness. Uh, God bless me with two accountability partners. So, Yeah, amazing. But hearing you speak, I mean, was that all it took? Was it just you deciding, okay, you know what? I'm not going to do this again. I'm going to share with her and then, okay, put a lock on my phone and let's see how that works. How really did you come out of it? Because it's one thing to put the lock on your phone and then it's another to go through the nights of maybe wanting to do it and, you know, you not having access. How were those nights? What did you do practically? What did you do to help, you know, people? Yeah. I think, I think it's a mindset switch, mm-hmm. like an intentional mindset switch, because it's not easy. Yeah, you're still going to, you know, have those thoughts and those temptations that come. So it has to be a real mindset switch. You can say that you want out, but like, it's not as easy as just saying it. And so if I'm being real, when she said that on my phone, that's just my phone. There's, there's a whole plethora on, of devices. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it's, it's kind of this weird mental thing where, it's it's so weird to explain. It's this weird mental thing where, yes, she put this on my phone, but I have I have access everywhere else. But by it being on my phone, because I was the main go to, and I'm paranoid of getting viruses on like my laptop or anything else. I don't even oh, I don't even wow. play that. But it's just, even though I do have access to it in other forms, it's just the mindset. And so since she put that on my phone it kind of makes me say, oh, well, I can't access it anywhere. Uh-huh. It isn't true, but it's kind of like this weird mind thing. But what's crazy is there was a time where we met up because I needed her to take the thing off my phone, the lock off my phone. I get in my car, she gets in her car, we go home. I realized she didn't lock my phone back. And right then I slipped and watched something I didn't need to watch. And I'm like, mm-hmm. how, does that even, how does that even make sense? You know what I mean? And so that's what I'm saying. It's a mindset switch. Yes, she has this lock on my phone, but if my mind hasn't changed, yes, this yeah. is actually extremely helpful because like even last night, I was trying to go on a 100% legit site 
a shopping site and I couldn't like honestly these restrictions are a little bit a little too extra I was just trying to shop <laughs> and it said nope this site is restricted I'm like no it's not I'm just trying to buy some clothes <laughs> but it's worth it like having that extra restriction yeah. like I'm saying so I'm protected on my phone but I am not protected in these, in these other areas so at the end of the day it's the mindset that has to change yeah. because mm-hmm. I know that if I want to access it here I can access it here if I want to access it here um and so having a mindset and then in those moments like at night when I would feel the temptation to watch you know pornography or whatever what's been helping me is focusing more on God than on the pornography um, that I'm trying to avoid and then also um I haven't been doing it as much lately but what but when I do I used to do it every single night but when I do feel tempted I still do it I would fall asleep with like YouTube playing on my TV of like just Bible verses or listening to worship while I'm sleeping or while I'm trying mm. to fall asleep. I'm not asleep. That's why the temptation is in my head. But just listening mm. to worship, you know, have it on my phone right there by my bed or whatever, because whether the Holy Spirit is coming in and taking that temptation away or what, whatever the process is happening where I end up not giving in, that's great. I don't really know the full process, right. but right. At, at a very natural level what it's doing is i'm not about to be hearing scripture and watch porn on my phone like you know what i mean i'm not Mm -hmm. god in this ear and then do something else yeah so at at the very minimum it's convicting to know i'm not going to be hearing worship in the background and just do what i want to do at Mm. a very minimum it's just like something that's in your head that says okay do you know how crazy it would be if you just rolled over and did this (laughs) while like so yeah temptation goes away it's this conviction that you would be insane to do this like chill mm-hmm. out and so yeah worship sleeping with worship music because that's usually when the temptation comes it's not in the middle of the day um mm-hmm. usually I'm very busy I'm working or whatever um but it's usually at night in those moments where I'm alone or whatever so worship music falling to sleep with scriptures and then just having that mindset change because and dying da- daily to the flesh, like I said, I-, I love wearing this. It reminds me of that. Because every day is a new day where temptation can come and you have a choice if you're going to give in or not. Stop looking at the pornography, not not literally, but stop focusing on that and focus on God instead and how you can grow in him. Yeah. The more you fall in love with God, that kind of just dissipates where like the desire isn't even there as much. Um, and so, yeah, that's my long answer to your question. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. If you have any last words for us that you'd like to share or advice, we're open to it. People will have their individual strategies on how to overcome. I'm okay. just reminded of the scripture in the Bible that talks about like when we're tempted, like we're not tempted of God, but he is gracious enough to, to escape of escape. Yeah. For us. Mm-hmm. And we have to like not ignore those ways of escapes. And so I yeah, think so true. where I was about to watch something and someone called me and yeah i had a, i have an option to answer the call or to ignore the uh, call and it, uh, can be, it can be subtle ways like that where god will be providing this way of escape and if we continue to ignore them we can't be mad if those ways stop presenting themselves pray and ask god like how can i overcome this is it going to be like how martina overcame like what strategies do you have for me and then when he answers you and starts giving you ways you know, don't ignore those ways because at the end of the day, it's free will. We have choice. And if God is providing a Absolutely. way of escape because he loves you and wants freedom for you, like, take take the way. <laughs> because of this, did you ever deal with with your self-esteem feeling like you, were not, you weren't good enough because of the things that you had done? 
as far as self-esteem with other people, no. Um, mm-hmm. Self-esteem with God, yes. I always felt condemnation yes. and shame yes. as far as God was concerned and feeling unworthy. And so kind of like I was saying, when we ha- would have those services and it said, you know, if, if you died today, where would you go? I just didn't see myself as someone that God would want to die for when in actuality, God, like there's a scripture that says, um, the, the lamb of God, who is Jesus was slain before, you know, the foundations of the world. And so God knowing all and having seen all the sins that we committed yesterday, today, and that we'll commit in the future, he knew all of this and still sent Jesus to die for us and predestined that Jesus would die for our sins. And so I just did not know any of that or understand it at all. And so, yeah, there was always this cycle of when I would mess up, is God going to forgive me again? Like he forgave me already. Is he going to forgive me again? Why would he forgive me again? Like I'm not worth being forgiven again. I'm not worth him saving me or dying on the cross for me. And so yeah, there was definitely that. And I think that's what caused me to continue in that cycle. And I think like knowing God is really helpful because I'm just thinking of this guy said something about struggling with pornography. Like somewhere in your mind, there's something that you think you can get from this video that you don't think you could get from God. And that's just a lack of knowing God. And so to try to avoid pornography and sin without a growing knowledge of God is very difficult to do. And so, yeah, knowing God more, knowing the depth of his loves for us. Yeah, that's that's the key. Thank you for listening to this final episode of the podcast. The podcast may be over, but Engage lives on. I'm still challenging us all to engage with God and really cultivate that deep personal relationship with Him and then to engage others. So the Engage shop will still be open and the mission, it's still the same. I'm just using this time, like I said before, to pursue other passions God has given me. So thank you, thank you, thank you a thousand, trillion, million, billion times for riding with me this whole time. I appreciate y'all for real. And I hope you'll still listen to older episodes and share the podcast with others because this library of testimonies will always be here for you. So if you could relate to my testimony, know that you are not alone. I thought I was alone all these years. If you need someone to talk to, someone who can relate, who can understand, I'm not disappearing. I'm not ghosting y'all. I'm still here. Okay. So you can reach me on Instagram at underscore Martina underscore Nicole. And you can always check out the website, check out the shop, keep in contact with me. Let's not ghost each other. (laughs) I'm gonna miss y'all. I'm gonna miss this podcast. So I'm gonna drop my Instagram in the episode description. I'm gonna drop my website in the episode description. Let's stay in touch y'all. All right. Stay engaged, my friends.